Multicolored lights and sounds A world of adventure and heroes galore It's truly outrageous when we yell Thundercats ho Autobots roll out and yell Yo-Jo Both feet and legs and do the Mario Get into a Care Bear stare and go-go gadget ears Excuse me princess, it's time for Totally Radical, Totally Radical, Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast! On Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome back to an all new episode of the Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. This is the show that takes a deep dive into the world of 80s cartoons and all of the glorious insanity there is. My name is Randy. I am your host on this journey and um, we're doing things a little bit differently folks. Uh, Phil's not here this week but I do have a special guest with me. Uh, Please welcome to the show today Chris. Uh, How you doing today buddy? I'm doing okay. I'm this side of six feet. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh man and for those who know uh chris here is the host of the uh the long coat mafia that we share on geek roll order every week we share their episodes um chris uh, where can they find you on social media uh we are found uh, uh pretty much on most of the social media platforms on facebook we are our page is facebook.com forward slash the long coat mafia podcast um YouTube, uh, I'm being slacker on that, but uh, you could just do a search for Long Coat Mafia podcast and we'll come up. It's the channel, not the, the, those nasty videos that you could find on YouTube. Uh, on Twitter, it's Lo- Long Coat Mafia, and on Instagram, it is Long Coat Mafia. And with the show, usual outlets, Google Play, uh, or I should say Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Also, our main website, which is thelongcoatmafia.podbean.com. And, of course, as always, you can find Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast, of course, on all of the major podcast providers. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. If there's a podcast provider out there, you can find us. Just uh, give us that subscribe, give us that five-star, that text review, um, all those wonderful things that help podcasts grow. Of course, GeekWorldOrder.com is where you can find us, our main website. Of course, we are celebrating the 10-year anniversary of Geek World Order in 2020. The site's official anniversary is in July. And of course, it's the big 10-year, so we'd like to just mention that anytime we can. Uh, Facebook, you can look up both Geek World Order and Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. They have their own pages. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, of course, at Geek World Order. Uh, and today... It's time to transform and roll out because we are taking a look at another episode of the Transformers. And today we are taking a look at a very interesting episode. Uh, The episode is called The Burden Hardest to Bear. It's an episode that's going to focus on Rodimus Prime. Yes, I know everyone's favorite character from the third season. Oh, joy. Yeah, this... For the folks at home that are new to the, this this cartoon, it takes place sometime after the movie. I'll put it like that for now. I'm sure we'll go into it a little bit later in the episode. Yes, this is the third season of Transformers, so this takes place in 2005-2006. Uh, Behold, the world of the future. <laughs> of course, the first two seasons taking place in the 80s. Uh, so yes, we get uh, 1986's version of what 
2006 is supposed to look like. Yeah, um, still waiting on all those futuristic cars. Ah, oh, same here. Uh, so our episode opens up and we are in the beautiful area of Japan. And it's sort of a normal day. People are, there's some guys on a boat, they're working, they're fishing. You mean the two guys that are in a boat that's seemingly smaller than a rowboat, or I should say they look like Godzilla and King Kong in a this <laughs> overly small boat. <laughs> that's what it appears about. Yeah. Yeah, there are some issues with scale in this scene. Now, the backgrounds are drawn very beautifully. I'm like, not denying that. <laughs> but yeah, the, the third season of the of Transformers is not known for its uh, animation quality. Yeah, I, that's one of the things I, I noticed with at least this season. It, it, it was like... Um, I know a lot of you out there might not might not be familiar with it, but I think um, Randy might be. Uh, it was like this season was had almost the same problem that GI Joe had after their uh, quote unquote movie, which meant means they had great quality prior, but afterward they got overly cartoony. If you can understand that, it yeah. just seemed the the, the quality it went from. We're being a serious cartoon to boink and, you know, bonk and boink and uh, with, animation animation right. that wasn't the greatest. No, with G.I. Joe, uh, the rights for the cartoons did get sold to another company. Uh, they went to Deke Animation. Um, yeah, not a highly reputable company in the 90s. <laughs> and yeah, no, that those later seasons, um, yeah, definitely dealt with um, lower budgets to say. Right. There are definitely worse episodes in Transformers. Um, there is a company called Acom, which was a Korean studio. Um, I don't know if this was an Acom episode, um, but there are others that are much worse with the with the animation monstrosities. Um, there's a very specific episode called Carnage in C Minor, which is a third season episode. It is notoriously known as the worst animated episode of Transformers. It's been, you, I'm saying, uh, uh, with the deepest compliments, uh, and everything else, this is the first time I dove deep into a classic Transformers episode in a long time because I tried to watch... The original Shiro uh, a few years ago, and the original He-Man a few years years ago, and I was like, "Dear God, you know, how did I love this as a child?" And, but I still had respect for like uh, Thundercats and um, uh, Voltron and Transformers because of you know who and what they were, and the animation quality and everything else. So that uh, I blame you, Randy. I blame you. <laughs> Uh, but um, I don't know if you noticed, uh, because we're talking about animation quality a little bit, I'm, I'll, I'll let you steer it back into the aspect of the show and the plot, but did you notice the uh, the overall, the bad lip syncing sometimes, and the audio sync, um, meaning like there should have been audio in there, but there was mouth movements, <laughs> and I noticed that there were times it had, um, uh, like there was 
the animation wasn't sticking to the background, if you could understand that. Meaning, it almost had how South Park was when they started. But South Park, I want to give South Park an excuse because they were starting out. They were learning animation as they mm-hmm. were going. This was a, a, a company that's probably been around for a while. It's like, why does it seem like at times that there's a breeze going underneath the cells and it's not sticking to the background? It's not feeling like uh, animation is taking me out of the episode. It's and, most notable in this opening scene. Right. In because uh, we get one of the Autobots known as Broadside. Uh, he's in a fight with uh, the Constructicons and uh, Predaking. And this starts just what a sequence of just several attacks on this Japanese city. And they all seem to take place in like the same day. Or with, with, in around that, it's it just that the it was like a uh, battle montage. And it it just seemed out of place. Uh, even as watching it as an individual episode, it just seems out of place. No context, no nothing from previous episodes that I can remember. It just seems like okay, mm-hmm. battle at montage. And in that again, that opening sequence, it's just that you have uh, like with that boat scene, you mm-hmm. have the the, the Destructicons just at some point disengage and there's no sound like in the rest of the uh, episode with the uh, mm. other uh, Decepticons and Autobots that are the same size or the same um, let's combine or I should say Combinacons if you want to call them that or classify them as that where if they disengage you heard the disengagement you didn't mm-hmm. hear that with the uh, Devastator you didn't hear that with the Constructicons in that little scene so it's it, it's just like it just seemed weird, you know, as a whole. Right. And this like that first one was definitely the most glaring of the animation issues. And like the other couple were not as bad. Um there's another scene where they're going to a Japanese shrine and uh the protectobots are facing off against a Decepticon combiner known as Bruticus. You know, and um the protectobots of course trying to, you know, make sure the people are okay and that's causing them to kind of take a few extra hits. Right. And that, that was the whole, like I said, I was rewatch. You probably saw my post on Facebook saying I'm re going over my homework with uh, geek world order. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I just want, that's me was me saying, I saw the episode. I'm taking notes now. Um, and it was just that whole aspect of him falling backwards and saying, Oh, we got to protect the humans. No. And, that's one of the things it, it goes from there. It sets a few things up, but it's just, again, weird. Mm-hmm. And right. did you notice in that montage it had with uh, Astro Train, the kind of the, it, when we were kids watching this, we didn't think two bits about, but nowadays it's that, I think you brought it up in like, not just, I think last week's episode, it had that stereotypical Asian Japanese type Ooh, of organ. Yeah. And it's like, now it might be considered a little bit racist to go talk like that. Uh, and it's just like, Ooh, that's cringe. You, you, oh. you can tell it. Yeah. It, well, no, it was it's going like, to get worse. Yeah, it got it got because we're worse. not even to the scene where it where it gets worse yet. 
<laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, right. uh, Astro Train's coming in, and he's fighting the aerial bots. And yeah, this is melee. Let, uh, so let me just some... say this. Even though we're picking on this, I want to say that particular aspect of how they dealt like, all right, you go left, you go right, you take the right flank, you take the mm-hmm. That seemed, granted, I'm not, I never served in the military, but it seemed no, almost from a military standpoint accurate. All right, you take the right, you go right, you go left, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. That seemed, that was good. I, I liked that aspect, but just that there were some, there's a, a whole lot of cringe going on, a whole lot of issues going on. Right. So uh, during this attack, uh, the part where Bruticus and Defensor are fighting, uh, some of the main Decepticons, including Cyclonus, Scourge, and the Sweeps, come in. And, and so come some of our main Autobot heroes, Rodimus Prime, Cup, and the uh, space shuttle that known as Skylinks. And yeah, so they basically finally, but you know, fend off all these Decepticon attacks, and they're like, "All right, we've got the Decepticons on the run, we can breathe a little bit." But no, like as soon as that done, uh, Skylinks gets a communication from the, oh, uh, it was like the Japanese embassy or some kind of yeah, council. The, yeah, their their government, the um, prime minister or something uh, like that. Yes. The Prime Minister wants to see Rodimus Prime immediately. And yeah, here's where we get to the cringy part. This guy, uh, the Prime Minister, had one of the most stereotypical, we couldn't actually get an Asian actor to play this guy, so we needed whoever was available that day to do an Asian accent. Yeah. and It was not good. No, um... No, it was not good at all. No, no, no. Uh, look, folks, let me put it like this. Uh, I'm sure Randy has talked about something, stuff like this before. Uh, the guy who used to voice Apu in The Simpsons pulled off a decent, even though it was over the top, would have fit better for an Indian accent in a show. Oh. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I'm, Hank Azaria. Yeah, he pulled off, despite being who he is, pulled off a halfway decent Indian accent, despite the, I'm saying, despite the controversy surrounding Apu, but... And he played Apu for almost 30 years. Right, Um, but this is just... This is bad. Bad. They couldn't get somebody at Hank's level to even come close, and the whole argument behind the, the prime minister going after Rodimus was, oh, we're, we're sick and tired of... And it was almost even stereotypical. You could say they were being racist, too, because we're sick and tired of you people. And yeah. it was like... It was almost them saying that. It's like, we're sick and tired of you and folks like you causing mm-hmm. damage. And, and like, even Rodimus was like, wait a minute, we're trying to protect you here. Yeah. If we weren't here... You all be dead, and you're blaming, putting the blame in our feet. And this is the, yeah. I guess, the crux of the episode to show that he is dealing with all this stress as a mm-hmm. new leader of the Autobots. Because when we see, uh, even in the early day, I don't know how many episodes of the Transformers you've covered in the past, but 
uh, when you look at the first season, even then, uh, Optimus Prime was right. leader for decades, centuries mm-hmm. even, prior to landing on Earth. Yes. So he had training plus. That's one of the things I want to bring up. It's like, why didn't Rodimus, you know, lean on Cup for a little bit? Because at this point, he knew Cup had experience mm-hmm. and was that old timer. I'm sure Optimus had uh, the previous leader to lean on to get that wisdom and to lean on a little bit for advice. Why not go to Cup? You know, just be have him be that almost counsel that old vet to lean on a little bit yeah what's a good idea but um, we don't see that but it's it's mostly strictly cup yeah. understand cup understands but yeah, he's an old war veteran much like ironhide is in the first two seasons right so he cup understands completely what rodimus is going to through and he understands that either way if cup went to him for advice and to help Either way, Cup would understand completely, and he does, and I get that. It yeah. was just Cup, and also Ultra Magnus does it because uh, he's basically second in command of the Autobots during the third season, right? And Optimus Prime originally chose him as the next leader uh, in Transformers the movie, but of course, you know we know the whole story how Hot Rod ended up basically being the chosen one and. Folks, uh, I, I'm sure Randy could agree with me. Go out. I, I know it's on Vudu. Rent the original Transformers, the movie. It is, uh, as much as it might be at times 80s cringe, it is 80s awesome. It, it the, the artwork style, the the pacing, the music, is. there's a lot of good to it. It is, and it put a lot of people, a lot of kids in therapy. Um, <laughs> Uh, not as bad as Watership Down, which is probably another episode for this show, but it put a lot of kids in therapy, and it was a cause for a lot of um, iconic shows to scrap or change how they did their retro their movies at the time <laughs> because of what happened. Uh, meaning, at that time, G.I. Joe, the movie was going to come out, uh, Thundercats, the movie was going to come out, and because of what happened with Transformers, the movie, the studio pretty went at no, 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 right. no. And uh, the original theatrical release schedule was supposed to be G.I. Joe, Care Bears, Transformers. The first two got so far delayed with like budgets and things and just utter delays. Transformers actually came out first. Yeah. And with and everything. Was, yeah. With the death of Optimus Prime, spoilers, um, since the movie's been out for over 30 years, we guess spoilers. Um, and by the way, I, no, I'm not doing that joke. Uh, um, the Because of that and what happened, and I don't think the movie was all that big of a success. Oh, financially, no. Uh, they When they went to look at putting out G.I. Joe, Care Bears, uh Thundercats, all that... big cartoons at the time. They went, uh, no, uh, we're we're not going to do this. Uh, yeah. One failure is enough. The budgets so, got slashed significantly, and both went straight to to video, TV, TV or video or both. Yeah, so. GI Joe got so budget cut that only like they got their soundtrack taken away. Like only wow. one song was actually produced for that movie, and it was the intro. 
Um, every everything else that was actually used in the movie for background music was just what they'd already had for G.I. Joe Transformers just for the stock musics. Yeah. Uh, so there I wasn't bet. even original score for that movie. And we got sidetracked, um, <laughs> which is t- typical for my show, but not yours, Randy. Um, it's somewhat, it somewhat normal for us. <laughs> uh, to get back. Um, yeah, no. If I may, uh, they, Rodimus uh, goes off. He needs to kind of de-stress and just be on his own for a little bit to be by himself. So he goes just to kind of have a run by driving off. He's yeah. Uh, Cause basically he snaps. Uh, Cause as the prime minister is berating him, he's like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to escalate this. I'm just going to leave. Uh, Marissa Fairborn of the earth defense Corps comes and he's like, uh, we need some help. He's like, really? You too? I'm done. And I'm he out. just drives yeah, off. I'm out and drives off. Yeah, and that, which leads to that scene. She goes, "All right, uh, if I was, uh, you know, uh, a robot that could turn to a car, what would I do? I'd be driving. I, you know, I'd be, you know, floor, you know, pedal to the floor on this road. I'd just be getting out my frustration, which is, I'd say, sensible that some people would go for a run just to de-stress. And the thing is, they run into two. Decepticons that are looking out for Autobots in general. Mm-hmm. I have issues with this. Uh, because... But before we get there, yes. Uh, but before we get there, we do get a little bit of uh, exposition, basically, kind of what's going on. Because um, Fairborn's kind of like, um, what's wrong with him? And basically, Cup explains the concept of uh, Giddy, uh, which he says basically translates to the burden hardest to bear. Um, basically, Rodimus is having issues because obviously he's still adapting to leadership and filling in the shoes of, you know, a great war hero like Optimus Prime. And it's getting to him. He's under constant stress. Obviously, you know, he just finished like three Decepticon attacks in one day. And yeah, it's getting to him. Which is why he just kind of snaps and goes, all right, I'm off. Right. And I said, which leads into the next scene, which is pretty much the whole aspect of Fairborn, you know, looking for Rodimus and trying to talk to him. Mm -hmm. And they meet up. uh, There's these two Decepticons that are keeping an eye out for any Autobots. How they do not recognize the Autobot leader. (laughs) Yeah. Is beyond me. Yeah, because he's the you wouldn't wouldn't anybody know it's like everybody would recognize Optimus Prime because he's the Autobot leader. He's you know this big stinking vehicle. He's a semi. Rodimus Prime is this big stinking vidi- vehicle <laughs> and he's a leader. One thing like, yeah. oh here comes a, a stupid uh, uh Autobot now. Wouldn't you want to take down the Autobot leader and go to your leader and say, hey, guess what we did? <laughs> um, but it, it's just that this whole scene is kind of weird because they don't recognize Rodimus. The, uh, Fairborn seems to recognize that these two cars are, uh, are Decepticons. There's no symbols on these cars whatsoever, uh, art-wise. 
so how does she know that they're Decepticons? Because they're driving badly, which is weird. But I get, I understand that Rodimus knows who these two are because he's the leader. Mm-hmm. He's got to know this. And he, that's why he's, he says, hey, it's so-and-so and so-and-so. Yes. Oh, and they're after, you know. Yep. And these two Decepticons are um, two of the Stunticons, uh, Dead End and Wild Rider. Yeah, which one of which has this weird southern... Um, I don't mean Southern draw. It's like this combination of Southern redneck, stupid redneck draw to them. It's like, howdy Um, boys. These guys, yeah, sometimes these actors have to come up with weird voices because a lot of these actors in the 80s, these cartoons, they're playing like three or four characters per show. So they just got to throw some crazy crap at the walls and like, eh, whatever. Again, it's one of those aspects that, as kids, we didn't really give two rat, two rears about, two pills about, or two bowls of cereal about. But now, when we go back, I'm like, oh, oh, that's just that's that's bad. That no, no. <laughs> or I, that, or I'm like, okay, well, oh, there's shipwreck in episode of GI Joe. It probably means Dusty's going to be here because the voice is it's the same voice actor. It's like, wait, who else does he play in the show? Oh, he plays one of the Dreadnoughts, so I bet that one's going to show up. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy kind of looking back on it as an adult and going, I know that voice. Right, right. Uh, if you got a good ear, you could hear it with a lot of the modern-day legends that are vo- voice actors. You could, he- you could tell who mm-hmm. it is, but I'm not complaining to it. it it's... It, you have to have that ear for it, or if you right. listen, if you watch a lot of animation, you you're able to tell who's who. But one of the things that also got me with this is that these two cars, Stunticons, managed to run off the road, Rodimus Prime, mm-hmm. and, and that's like you just casually pushing off a cl- without any effort, pushing off a cliff of a semi, and it's your- sort of kind of goes to tell the kind of stress that Rodimus is under. Because uh, you've got Fairborn, who's trying to follow him. They run her off the road with, like, an oil slick. So, and he's like, oh, crap, I got to save her. He's already got his... He already doesn't have his mind on anything because he's just trying to get away and clear his head. So it's not surprising that he's kind of taken down very easily. He is sure. highly distracted. I'll give you that, but I, I was just looking at things weight-wise, so, or I should say size-wise. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'm trying to compare size-wise in the show that you have a three-story robot that's able to transform all the way down to a size of a of a Walkman. So, yes. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's not even bring it. Yeah, let's not even bring in the mass shifting physics into this. <laughs> um, but <laughs> to kind of go from. The, the that point that he's off the road is like then these two stunticons find the autobot leader of matrix yes the matrix and, of leadership and and they realize what it is it's like oh we did something right yeah not just that it's like I, my thought again i'm trying to think of things logically it's like how did it get out of his did did it pop out of his hood what it's like there's no Anyway, it's like there's no f- way it could have popped out easily. 
and but it popped out easily and rule num- itself. Rule number one of 80s cartoons. Logic need not apply. <laughs> it's like, damn it. No wonder I got into the show as a kid. You're, it hurts your brain when you try to put logic on it. So they realize what they have and they, they're like, all right, we can head back to our burnt out husk of a planet called Char. Yeah, the raging crap hold of the galaxy that place is. And so once the Matrix is out of him, he transforms. Because uh, at this point, since he doesn't have the Matrix, he's become Hot Rod again. The party animal Hot Rod. <laughs> uh, and uh, so Fairborn finds Rodimus, you know, unconscious, transformed. Our hero is um, in a vulnerable position. Uh, so as we know on this show, in our lovely 80s tropes, when our antag- when our protagonists are in danger, what time is it? It's commercial time. Uh, so we'll be back in just a moment, folks. And more Autobots join Optimus Prime. Cup reminds me of the battle on Beta 4. Hot Rod. Watch my smoke. Blur. Now you see me. Now you don't. And these are the new Decepticons, the evil Cyclonus. I'm spying for a fight. And Scourge. No one escapes the sweet. But soon a new Autobot leader will arrive. Introducing Rodimus Prime. No one can take on the Decepticons like Rodimus Prime. Transformers. The Transformers, each sold separately from Hasbro. In the beginning, the people who worked with computers were considered magicians. But digital took the mystery out of computers. Digital Equipment Corporation pioneered the mini-computer, making compact, easy-to-use systems that can grow with your business. From your independent digital supplier, you can get hardware and software from one source without any hocus-pocus. Digital. We took the mystery out of computers. All kinds of things you use every day are on sale this week at CVS at unusually low prices. Like delicious chocolate-covered Borden Thin Mints. Right now, the six-ounce box is on sale for a slim 66 cents. Or Drixoral antihistamine tablets. A package of 10 is just 49 cents after mail-in rebate at today's neighborhood drugstore. All right, and we are back. And as we come back from the commercial, we are on the Decepticons base on the planet of Char. Oh, don't get me started. (laughs) Or should I say, because we just came back from a commercial. Oh, awesome man. 80s soundtracks <laughs> yeah char is pretty much what it sounds like folks it's a pile of rubble it's a wreck it's just like the bad side of town with all the rundown houses that are boarded up yeah it's really what this planet is and so galvatron's in his throne room and his rock chair He's like, oh, yes, you've brought me the Matrix of Leadership. Now done... we'll rule the galaxy. And, and sad aspects, like, you've done right. Like you said before the break, it's like, you've done right. You've finally done something. He actually compliments him that yeah. you've done something right for once. Congratulations. And something you don't really hear a lot of the bad guys. Well, Galvatron usually does it to, like, or prior to him being Galvatron when he was Megatron, he'd say it's a sound wave. 
but mm-hmm. he'd rarely say it to anybody else. This is one of the few times he says it to somebody else. Especially or... in the insane Galvatron. Right. And so the thing he... is... So he actually goes to put the Matrix into his arm cannon. Uh, let me just say something. Chill. Let me just say, ask this. It's a, this is one of the issues I had. He states that this is the first time in years we've had it. And it proposed the question. It's like, how long was it between se- that season three, in essence, takes place, then the movie? Was it, you know, six months, eight months? Was it actually five years? Because we see... No, it's about a year. About a year. But that being said, that Galvatron forgot that a year ago, he had the Autobot matrix of leadership hanging around his neck yeah. in the movie he had it in his hands yeah he had it in his hands and he's like we haven't <clears throat> had, we've been trying to find this thing for years wait what <laughs> lest you forget or is that the insanity or you know although i think in the first couple seasons what became the matrix was referred to as a, a laser core it, okay. Uh, retconning. Gotta I, love I, it. Yeah, I, I think the movie retconned. Even in the comic, they retconned. You know, there was like several different versions between the comic and the movie and the cartoon. Mm-hmm. So it, it's uh, uh, to kind of quote Doctor Who, it's all timey, wimey, wibbly, wobbly <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, it's the, again, 80s, where we just wanted to sit in front of the TV on Saturday mornings eating bowls of tricks and just <laughs> let our brain be unplugged for about four hours watching cartoons logic yeah what is this logic, logic. <laughs> we didn't care so yeah uh, so but... galvatron is basically only interested in weaponizing it and he literally puts the thing into like the back part of his arm cannon and like he literally goes to like shoot it he's like it does nothing I get you broke logic. it. I get uh, that's that was his aspect, but I get his logic that it's a pow- that he might think it's a power source that he it would give his weapon a boost. It, you know, it is a it power, just, just not in the not, way he's expecting it. Right, it's not compatible with uh, Decepticon technology, if you will. And um, it's and it's been established that you know when when people have tried to open the Matrix, it cannot be opened by a Decepticon. I think they covered that both once or twice in the movie and several times in the TV show, I think. Yeah. Like, so he's, like, trying to shoot it. And on one of them, oh, here's where the episode takes an odd turn. Like, ghosts of ancient Autobots come out of Galvatron's cannon. And I have a question. He says, these ancient Autobots... How did he not recognize Op- Optimus Prime? Mm-hmm. Which maybe, as you said, maybe about, if you want to go most, two years ago, he fought as Megatron. Mm-hmm. How did he not recognize Optimus? And how is, well, or maybe he how, did, Or maybe he did recognize Optimus. Maybe that's why he realized they were ancient Autobots. Well, true, because uh, Optimus has been around since... In our terms, prehistoric time. So yes, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of fits. But uh, 
in a way it doesn't and it does at the same time. It's like logic and illogic. And it's like logic is trying to fight logic at this time because in a way, <laughs> in a way, yes, uh, Optimus was that old even when he passed, but mm-hmm. by show standards and show times, he only went away maybe about two years ago, three tops if you want, depending on how you want to look at things. Not even the show has made that mm-hmm. time stamp as to how far removed the series three has was from the movie or pays oh, no. any reference to the movie. Oh, it's so, a, it's a year. Uh, cause they do mention in the, at the beginning of the movie, it's 2005 and there is an episode before this, a few episodes before this one that we're talking about, they specifically say it's 2006. Okay. So yeah, we're talking a year. Which makes things, you know, again, we're trying to, at least I'm trying to apply logic to something that when we were kids, it's logic. We're applying logic of maybe a, uh, an eight-year-old mm-hmm. <laughs> to something that nowadays is like, okay, we're more than eight years old and we're trying to apply exact logic to something that right. when we were kids, heck with logic. And <laughs> Galvatron is just insane because uh, at the end of the movie, Rodimus flung him out of Unicron and it, you know, we learned in the beginning of season three that basically Galvatron land on this planet that's basically like liquid plasma and it's fried his circuits. Like he, his brain is like destroyed. He is actually insane. I said, for me, it's been a while since I dove deep into mm-hmm. the logic of either the older seasons and the newer seasons of um, Transformers. Uh, I know there's a a YouTube video that does the uh, secular or uh, they put all the Transformers shows, even the ones that came out in Japan Mm -hmm. in the timeline and how it just, they go with uh, the original series and how the whole series kind of just every Transformer show is connected and it loops back around itself in a way. It's fascinating folks. If you could find it on YouTube, watch it. I mean, it's it's it very interesting and weird at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, so our ancient Autobots come out and they demand that Galvatron returns the Matrix. And he's like, "Okay, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Just go away." And they do. And then he's like, "All right, Scourge, j- just get rid of the thing. I don't care. Destroy it. I- whatever." And that's when Scourge says, well, well, didn't you say uh, you would return it? I lie. Even (laughs) besides uh, Galvatron's insanity, it's the perfect evil comment, too. It's like you'd expect the bad guy to lie. Right. Anyway, even even without contact, you expect him being insane. You'd expect the bad guy, the bad guy leader to kind of cower in that type of situation then claim to like when everything's said he's gone do something completely different because he's evil he's the bad guy you expect mm-hmm. him to do that even as an adult you expect him like yeah i get it you know he, he lied mm-hmm. now scourge actually realizes what the matrix is that or it's in not some way a weapon it is a it is 
more powerful. It is a source of power, but in a different way. So he's like, all right. And he shoves the Matrix into his chest. Oh, now we're going to talk about crying Scourge? Oh, buddy. While he's hulking out or turning into a robotic zombie? Maybe? (laughs) This is like the robotic version of Roid Rage. Right, it's he's either the best way to describe it is either a hulking out or b turning into a zombie. Because as we've established, this is not meant for a Decepticon. Right, like his body is basically having an allergic reaction to it. I, I if I may, the uh, how he puts in, he understands what it's for. Mm-hmm. Just that when we what we know of the the matrix of leadership that with some Autobots, when they're given this particular device uh, it, as to be passed on to, uh, as it was with um, maybe Optimus and more so, better example, Hot Rod, it bulks them up. It sees the potential and amplifies amplifies it. Right. And Or it will amplify, in some cases... Um, it makes the Autobot better. It, it, it amplifies them. It's, it brings out the leadership aspects. And because maybe in some way the matrix of leadership sees possible potential in Scourge. It, or it's because being a Decepticon, Scourge is more inherently evil. Right. You get this allergic. Re- it tries to do what it's programmed to. But... but the programming in a Decepticon, especially someone like Scourge, who's been rebuilt by Unicron. Yes, that's actually the point I was about to bring up. That Because he was one of the, the heralds of Unicron, so that may affect his Decepticon physiology in a way also that makes him more inherently evil. Right. Or the aspect for those of you who watched the movie... Um, Unicron pretty much had a peanut allergy, if you want to look at it like that. And the universe's peanut for Unicron was the Autobot leader of Matrix. Mm-hmm. That's why he had to get rid of it. And it's he sort trans- of a, a yin and yang thing. Unicron right. is such this force of evil, and, and the Matrix you- is this accumulation now, of Autobot wisdom and knowledge, and it's good. this good, this source of good. And the whole aspect of here is Unicron extremely large and evil and here's the autobot leadership of matrix or depending on how you want which episode and how you want to look at it it's still the same device really small and concentrated good mm-hmm. and it's that again as you said that yin and yang and it's just this as to use your wording uh scourge has this kind of a peanut allergy in a way of here's mm-hmm. this you know, device trying to amplify the good and bring potential out in Scourge, but it just becomes a an allergic reaction. And you see Scourge as he's crying out in pain, crying? And his, like, his robotic exterior is literally bubbling. Right. It's like, this was actually very well animated and kind of gross looking. It, yeah, it was uh, the aspect of... Uh, well animated, despite the fact that at times it seemed like they didn't have any care in regards to animating it sometimes. Because, mm-hmm. again, it seemed like it was like lifting off the background a little bit. 
but that's just one fellow's opinion. But right, but it definitely got the point across. Right, and he kind of as he feels the power surging through, he's like, "I have the power of a hundred, no, a hundred thousand Decepticons." Yeah, that's how much the the Matrix ample like you know look at the strength that gave to Rodimus Prime or Optimus Prime, you know the the strength, the knowledge, everything it gave them to be, you know it made it made like Optimus a badass, which gave him again the the point of this episode it is that Optimus's shadow was so large he was that big of a hero, that big of a leader, he mm-hmm. was that big of a badass, uh, and here's yeah. somebody that was a in essence when you look at Rodimus's backstory he was hot rod this carefree party going kind of dude even though he he had his place Ooh. and you saw his uh redemption and his growth and he he just had this big shadow to and to he fill. was he was Judd Nelson from the Breakfast Club right and in the movie hot rod actually was voiced by Judd Nelson right but yeah, and I know there's one episode where Hot Rod literally looks at the statue of Optimus Prime and he's like, you know, trying to figure out a, a situation. He's like, oh, I wish I knew what you would do in this situation. Yeah, he, he, he's like, just learning. He he's knows find his the, own style. Right, he knows, he, or at least he has an idea of the gravity of the situation he's in. Right. Which is a great lead into kind of where the next scene goes, because we go back to the what the Autobots kind of makeshift headquarters in Japan right now of dealing with these attacks and uh, hot, you know, and we learn he's hot rod again. He's kind of hooked up to the diagnostic machines. He wakes up. He's like, you know, they're like, hey, are you okay, hot rod? He's like, what? What? I knew something felt different. And Springer and Ultra Magnus like, hey, you want to go after them? You want to, you know, go grab the Matrix? It it shows their respect that they still see him as a, somewhat of a leader. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they 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 know that there's that personality shift, and it kind of shows that here he is. I don't care anymore. He's just laying it at. I don't mean to go ahead, but this is this this particular scene. He's like, I don't care anymore. I, you know, I'm right. back at hot. I'm back as Hot Rod. I'm hot right now. I don't want to be a leader. Somebody else take it. I I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want it. He's, He's like, just like Matrix. Matrix. Ma- yeah, I don't want it. I, you know, this is that aspect. But what we're seeing, I'm sure we'll get into it in a moment. It everything we saw in the start of the episode starting to pay off a little bit. Right. But we'll get into it. I, I don't want to. Um, there's definitely some good story building, like through the episode and kind of what hot rods going through right he Oops. needs he needs guidance he's like he's just he's just fed up he's just just you know it's this i want to say for the most part if you want to again look at it somewhat logically he's stressed he he's he's all right it's gone i'm this you know what good good i'm you know good i don't uh-huh. have to deal with stress no more you want it you take it or give it to somebody else who want who wants it mm-hmm. i don't want it i you know i he's fed up he's angry He's just, you know, he's just letting, he's laying out the truth, his aspect of the truth. Right. I, you know, I'm, you know, I, I tried, I failed, I screwed up, I'm out. Um, he's gotten out. Right. If you, 
if it was done, if the episode was done later or closer to the early 2000s, you might have heard uh, like an Eric Cartman aspect of "Heck with you guys, I'm going home." You know, you know, um, mm-hmm. that whole a- aspect. Is like, and granted, I'm just censoring some things to be because of how you're doing things, Randy. And it's just like, <laughs> "Heck with you guys, I'm going home," and that's how. That's what, in essence, his rant is. You know, you know, I've had right. enough. I'm going home. I'm quitting. I'm I'm done. I'm and done. It's definitely in you know stories like these are definitely done for character building. Because um, I'm actually rewatching uh, Deep Space Nine right now, and I'm in season seven, uh, where we get the character of Ezri Dax, who replaces Jadzia after she's killed off at the end of season six. Oh, uh, that's that's a different conversation. That's. <laughs> that, that that's a conversation I, I i'd love to go into uh if i had everything set up i'd say randy after this let me fire up my software and we talk about that particular episode because that i could go into a lot of ad, more of an adult conversation with that because of the whole what kind of species she's <laughs> she is and the whole aspect of the the, the symbiote and everything else uh, but we're, um, no offense to you, we're, we're here to talk about Transformers. Yeah. Uh, uh, but basically, um, there, there's a lot of the same parallels going through that's going in this story. You know, basically, Hot Rod, Rodimus, he's dealing with all this pressure of... It, there's a lot dumped onto him at, at once when he becomes Prime. Right. Congratulations, you're now the leader of the Autobots. And you've got to win... Not only beat this universe-ending planet killer known as Unicron, who wants to kill you and the automatic leadership of Matrix, he wants to kill your home. You got to deal with that <laughs> now, right? Crap! Now, when that's all done, you got to rebuild everything and take care of the Decepticons that are next to come. Crap! Why could have this happened a couple of years later when I got used to everything? Yeah. So yeah, Hot Rod, he, he's like, all right, I'm off. And so he transforms and rolls, rolls out, out. Again. <laughs> Uh So we go back to Char, where Galvatron's just kind of berating his troops again, and Scourge comes out. Now, here's the thing. It's like, before we get the aspect of the attack of uh, zombified, hulked out Scourge, th- th- this is a confusing thing that I, when I was doing the rewatch, is that since they had a whole mess of these um, combinacon, uh, you know, molding like this uh, uh, devastator in the background, it's like the way that everything that they had it shot, the frame shot, it's like you see the decept, um, uh, not decepticons, the, the individual bots that make up devastator, and you see one of the big, larger combinacons combined, and the way the shot was set up it looked like it was devastator with all the you know but it's like is this a goof because it wouldn't be the first time the animators did a goof like that and it's just it it was like i had to rewind it and go back and to realize it was the um decepticons that were like lions and bear uh one was a lion one was like a a bear it was one of those weird yeah the predacons the predacons that were combined and standing in the shot next to the 
Devastator in the individual bots that made up Devastator. And it was just kind of hard to make out. It, it, I'm sure yeah. back in our day when we were watching it on small 19-inch screens, it would have been even worse. But... You know, yeah, it's that's just like, uh, that's just the that's just a foreign animation studio putting in bodies. They're like, hey, right. this scene needs like twelve bodies, and it it it's supposed to be the Predacons, and it, it, it pays off. You find out it is the Predacons later, but it, in that one shot, it just looks weird, and it, it wouldn't be the first time. Like, all right, instead of the Predacons, it's easier to draw the scepter, you know, or this particular combination bots. You know, we'll do that. The mm-hmm. kids won't know, and us as kids, we didn't care. We were just eating a bowl of Twix at the time or uh, <laughs> uh, Fruity Pebbles, and we were like, this show is awesome. I can't wait to tell everybody, you know, when the day's done, and we're just shoveling bowls full of sugar in our mouth. Yeah. And <laughs> But nowadays, it's like, wait a minute, did they screw this up, you know? But we, oh, yes. You know, Animation inconsistencies. But yes. Now we know. Yes, they now we know. screwed up the animation so many times. <laughs> but uh, and there's YouTube yeah. videos about those screw ups. But that's a, again a different tale for a different episode, I'm sure. <laughs> but we get we get that attack of zombified hulked out scourge. And this is like not even a fight. He mm-hmm. he mur- he ba- he massacres them like easily. The fight kind of reminds, even though you hear in one aspect of it, the line repeated from the movie, I still function, um, which coming from that one particular, uh, it's ironic, it comes from one of the, the, the Decepticons that was transformed by Unicron, um, even though it was said initially by Megatron, uh, but the scene is a remnant of every Autobot that has gotten the Autobot leadership of Matrix, if I'm remembering the shows correctly, every time they show a Autobot getting the Matrix of leadership, mm-hmm. it's during the, a battle with the Decepticons. And when they come out, they have that invulnerability. It's like getting that star in Mario Brothers. It's mm-hmm. like you have you have like 15 seconds or 30 seconds of invulnerability. They come out, they're bigger, they're badder, they're, you know, they're ready to kick rear uh, or kick enemy butt. Uh, and they get shot a couple of times. It's like, what? Did you shoot me? Huh? Come on. Come at me, bro. You know, th- that's what this scene kind of reminded me of. It's uh-huh. that invulnerability, that aspect of the Matrix showing itself right. in Scourge a little bit because they're just shooting him, and he's just, all right, I'm going to kick everybody's tail in this. You know, come at me, bro. Oh, yeah. It's just that, you know, that just additional power it gives. So, yeah, he... Blast Galvatron, Cyclonus pretty easily, and he gathers a bunch of Decepticons, and they're headed off towards Earth. Yeah, and he pretty much says, "I'm the leader now. I kicked everybody's butt. Let's go. We're gonna we're gonna destroy. We're gonna get really big, and we just gonna destroy yeah. cities." And even like, so, oh yeah, he, he actually he actually fought he actually fought them too. He's like, "All right, I fought you. I'm done." Whereas Starscream in like the early scenes, we go, "Megatron has stubbed his toe." I am the leader now. Right, right. <laughs> and I think that it was supposed to be the way of the Decepticons. If you wanted to challenge the current leader, you challenged and if you won, you're now the leader. And pretty much. He he pretty much beat everybody up and said, I'm the leader now. And they went, all right, what's the plan? Okay, we're going to you know get really big and destroy some cities. 
and me being a Toho fan in the when this show was around, I would have went, yes, <laughs> bring on the Kaju battles, destroy Tokyo. Yes. Um, because I was a Toho the, fan as a kid. The, the um, abandoned buildings district that somehow gets destroyed every week in Power Rangers. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, so, that's why I hated, I didn't like Power Rangers, but I kind of liked it in the same way because it reminded me of the old, old Toho stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, to so continue. As they, uh, so as Scourge and his uh, Decepticons head off, we're left with that a lingering question of our Galvatron and Cyclonus dead? Who knows? They could be alive. They could be dead. We'll find out after these commercial messages. We'll be back in a moment, folks. Convoy no Matrix Cybertron Convoy If you're looking to buy yourself the right car, come to Trophy and Mesquite. We're not too far. We got Nissan cars and trucks, so don't be shy. You can buy them from a lady. You can buy them from a guy. That's Trophy, Trophy, Trophy Nissan. Trophy Nissan's the place to buy. You can get them real cheap. We're never too high. The best parts, service, financing, too. We got everything to take care of you. At Trophy, Trophy, Trophy Nissan. All right, and we are back. And as we come back to the commercial, we were left to that uh, interesting question of are Galvatron and Cyclonus dead? No, they actually still function. Yeah, now they are ready so this for This is revenge. where we get that, that line, that kind of uh, callback to the movie, I still function. But it's, <laughs> it, I, 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 when I first started, it's like, hey, that could be a callback to the movie for, you know, granted, we didn't. When we were young, uh, I'm not aging you in any way, but when I was young, I, w- I didn't see the movie until years later. And but even then, when shows did callbacks to movies, we wouldn't have gotten them. Now today, if we watch right. uh, something uh, like the Avengers and they say something in one movie and they make a callback, another we're the first ones to go callback. <laughs> and but now it's like. Right. Back then it's like we wouldn't have, you know, really. We just thought again, part of the show, part of the yep. show. And, and nowadays it's like, could that have been a callback? Because it, again, as stated prior to the break, um, it's said by one of the Decepticons that was rebuilt by Unicron, even though the line was said by Megatron. I still function. Yep. And it, it's. To me, it's still an awesome line. It's that one mm-hmm. line of, I still function. 
And it's it's also a badass line. And it's like, oh, absolutely. You know, it, it's like, you okay, I still function. And just getting up. And it's like, dude, even though you had your ass ripped, saying that you could be wounded and it still comes off. You could be the worst character. I'm still all right. Let's do this. You it's know, just it, a flesh wound. Still a flesh wound. Uh, it's still a great line. It's uh, it was. It's a great line. And I'm glad they had that line in there. Mm-hmm. And to most, uh, to make the callback because we're making a lot of callbacks to the movie. My favorite bit in the movie is I have a lot of favorite bits in the movie, but my, one of my most favorite is when you first see Galvatron go to the Decepticons uh-huh. and he blasts Starscream to atoms, and you see I think it's Rumble go. What's his name again? Yeah. And it's just that it's that innocent line that you'd think somebody yeah. like Galatron would just instantly shoot him. And but it's that perfect question. It's like, what did he say his name was? Yeah. And he goes, Galvatron. Galvatron. Um, um and it's like almost that startment. Um, all hail Galvatron? And it's Will just any- like Yeah. And, and everybody's goes, like Will anyone else attempt to fill his shoes? And it's the perfect line. It's just that funny little bit. It's like, what do you say? It's just that anybody <laughs> catch his name. And it's the per- even though it makes the Decepticons, especially Rumble, seem cow- cowardly. It's just the perfect line. Hey, uh, anybody catch his name? And uh, what's his name? Galvatron. <laughs> cool. All hell, Galvatron. Okay, we're down with this. <laughs> you know, it's just. <laughs> That aspect of it, and it's, it, even though it shows cowardice, it shows loyalty. And this him saying, I still function, it shows loyalty to Galvatron. I'm here. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Come on. And it's just that hell aspect. It's like, well, we got to find Scourge and kick his ass for what he did with us. Uh-huh. And we get yep. that. I mean, it's a and great they, thing. Oh, yeah. So they get in their shuttle and they're headed off towards Earth. Uh, which is where we head for the next scene as a uh, hot rod is actually kind of just sitting in the martial arts studio that was shown at the beginning uh, where they were doing like the staff training. Yeah. The, the Kembo stick training or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, folks at home uh, leave what it's properly pronounced in the comments section down below. Um, Cause I'm sure I mispronounced it, but yeah, a uh, hot rods in the dojo. It's, it's one of those payoffs that I think I mentioned in b- earlier that here is he went to a place where it's a place of teaching and mm-hmm. i think it i think instinctively that's where he wanted to go because uh it was a place of teaching he, i think he wanted to go there to um get his thoughts organized and possibly learn mm-hmm. something and it was a school and he does he he talks with the instructor uh something that the writers put in let's have him yeah, he talks with the, the instructor, you know, to get wisdom. I think the mm-hmm. the writers put that in so kids would have that aspect of, oh, I, if I need wisdom, I go to a teacher or an instructor. Again, right. the the eighties were a weird time for shows like these. They were the advertisements for they were infomercials for kids, but uh, during this time they had to put something educational in to satisfy parents. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was – you caught this as I did. Did you seem like they, the people that were recording Hot Rod's lines uh, 
were nitwits and they were just recording a general conversation that they were having with the voice actor because it seemed so pale and dry and unemotional. It was like, as the the sensei was talking, it was all, uh-huh, uh-huh, I get that. I guess I did lie. I, it was all monotone. It was all dry. It was just like, they just left the recorder recording and the voice actor who voiced Hot Rod was just talking with somebody and they were, yeah, I, I lied on our date last night. And it was like, oh, these are great lines for the which yeah. for this week's episode. But it all came up. There was no emotion because once hmm. everything does end with this conversation, it's time to be a little bit more – to emote a little bit more. You, It's like, thunk. All right, let's time to emote and voice act hot rod right here. We got to make that transition to back to ultra uh, – you know, ult- Rodimus Prime, you know. Mm-hmm. You got to do that. But we go from I, how are you? We are talking right now to, hey, how's it going, man? How's it going? It just, again, that five seconds, 30 seconds, it just seemed like the voice actor didn't care at all. It's just like, mm-hmm. yes, I was lying. Yes. No. Maybe. Maybe. Yes. No. I will consider mm. that uh, thought. And. Then maybe the next day, like he had a couple of co- cups of coffee and you know <laughs> whatever happened. A couple, it was the eighties. Maybe there were drugs involved. Um, right. And he came back. Hey, let's do this. And, you know, next day. Hey, I, I got to get going. Thanks for the tips, man. We'll see you next time if I need to talk more. You know. <laughs> yeah, it, and it, he it's kind just... of. And that's kind of what we get from this scene. He's kind of talking with the instructor, and you know the sensei is kind of giving him some you know, some knowledge about finding balance and between good and evil and kind of accepting what his role is in that balance. And he, and Hyrule kind of seems to get it. And he's like, you know, okay, I kind of get the, you know, the responsibility I was given. I kind of understand where my place is. Yeah, I need to go get the Matrix back now. (laughs) Yeah, but like I said, it was that aspect. And that's, I think, the next scene shows Scourge attacking the city. This yes. would, I want to say this would have been a great, even though they kind of did it, uh, I'm sure you'd go into the, those particular episodes um, in a later episode, but this would have been a kind of great ordeal of them if they had the foresight to do a zombie type of aspect where they use the Autobot, Scourge uses the Autobot leadership of Matrix to kind of turn the Autobots evil. Hmm. Even though they use that in a type of ordeal in a later two-parter, uh, but it's that aspect of it would have made a great storyline in that last act. Actually, that later two-parter is literally the next two episodes that aired after this one. I thought it was like... Um, no, this is like the penultimate episode of the season. No, oh, um, I'd have to double check. Because yeah. I think there was like three episodes left in the season. No, because uh, this actually epi- this the following two episodes are the return of Optimus Prime, where uh, they have the hate plague. I remember that as as a teen hearing that again, folks. This was before before the internet, way before the internet. Yeah. You heard Optimus Prime was coming back. Oh dear God! Oh dear God! I you know I booked. 
You know, my bus stop was a quarter of a mile from my house. I booked it home because I couldn't program my VCR. I had to record it because <laughs> I wanted to watch it again and again and again and again and again. So yeah, that was so, one of those things. Yeah, and so from here, um, it kind of goes pretty quick. Um, you know, the Scourge and his Decepticons are attacking the city. Uh, one, uh, the student that we saw earlier, Ozu, he actually comes to an aid of an old lady, and he's trying to attack Scourge with a kendo stick. It, it, that's the thing. It's like it was a kendo stick in the early part of the show, but in this part, it seemed like he actually had a, a samurai sword, sword that did actual damage to Scourge. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably because of like how the his body was reacting to the Matrix. It probably like messed up the integrity of his, you know, his metal. Or the aspect, um, if you want to look at it with a different fan theory, this this uh, student was acting in the aspect of good, mm-hmm. and the Autobot um, leadership Matrix probably responds to good or amplifies good. Mm-hmm. In a way, and even though Scourge is evil and doing evil things, someone is protecting a life, and therefore the energy is again, you might want to say, amplified through either the kendo stick or the samurai sword. It looks like a samurai sword in the, uh, the mm-hmm. particular scene, it does damage to Scourge because it's that matrix you could say is ample energy from the matrix is amplified by the work of good to damage evil. Mm-hmm. It's a fan theory. Right. If you want to look at, instead of looking at it with logic, but you're <laughs> looking at it with cartoon illogic, he's trying to protect life. Therefore, the Matrix is helping him fight evil in a way. Right. And uh, yes, this does give stress. them enough time to run away, but they end up running into an alley. Right where Scourge is lumbering over them, but luckily, Hot Rod shows up right in the nick of time, and he sees what, you know, the Matrix has done to him, how it's transformed him, warped him in a sense, both because, physically uh, the front, and... Yeah, don't mean to... to because right after uh, Hot Rod hit, uh, runs into him, uh, his Scourge's chest pa- panel opens up to show the uh, Matrix leadership... And that's when he's like, oh, it's the Matrix of Leadership. And it did this to him? Did this to him. And you also see Scourge kind of close that flap too, which is a great, I won't say great nod, but great detail. No, um, notice it, I want to say great detail, work of detail of one, showing uh, that panel pop open and Scourge later, a few seconds later, realizing it's open and shut it mm-hmm. that i uh, gotta give the uh animators props for that yeah so a it's, struggle... it's a very tiny detail though right and so a struggle ensues at this point um hot rod and scourge fight and uh hot rod does manage to get the matrix back uh so he puts it back inside of him he becomes rodimus prime and scourge is uh dispatched very quickly right he wishes he hadn't been. Because once Rodimus leaves, guess who finds Scourge? Galvatron. Yeah. And he's Scourge. like, he goes straight into Lackey mode. He's like, no, no, I don't have the Matrix anymore. 
Don't hurt it was me. all the fault. Don't hurt me. It was all the fault of the Matrix. And you, yeah, they don't and care. you get that insanity yet cool line from, uh, from I want to say it's cool, but coming from who it's or say the line coming from who it is is cool. It's Galvatron saying, "I'll show you what else is a issue of the Matrix yeah. or cause the Matrix," and he transforms, and all you see is that him fire. You don't see the, what happened. You mm-hmm. just see it fire, and it's just that it's something again, something that you'd expect someone in Galvatron's position to do. It's that aspect of I'm gonna, you know, because I'm the head bad guy, I'm going to shoot you. Mm-hmm. And granted, uh, many years later, you see a kind of flip of that script with some action movies. It's like you see the victim saying, wait a minute, I thought you weren't going to kill me. And the leader going, did I really, really, you know what, Joey, kill him. Yeah. You know, you know, that flips like, you're right. I didn't, I did say that. I'm not going to kill you, Joey, kill him. You know, you see it in, I think the first time you see it is in Waterworld, mm-hmm. and it, it became a new trope since then. It's like, all right, I'm not going to kill you. He's going to do it. <laughs> and, but, during this time, it's that whole aspect. It's like, I got to show how evil I am by doing evil things. Mm-hmm. And one that's when I think we see um, they don't really show Scourge dead, but you see Galatron and the other Decepticon carry Scourge off, and the other Decepticons kind of retreat with them. Mm-hmm. And you hear, it sounds like uh, one of the Insecticons, or it's a different voice than somebody else says it. It, it sounds more, if not one of the, um, again, as you were saying, you have like five people voicing everybody on the show. So it sounds either like an Insecticon or a one of the Dinobots saying, oh, got to beat feet. And it's hmm. just one of those, it, it's like, wait a minute, that, that sounds like the voice of a, uh, a Dinobot or an Insecticon. I don't see anybody that, yeah. there and it goes back to what you're saying it's like yeah there's like 10 15 people that does all the voices maybe one of the voices people that was on this particular vo- uh, show voiced that particular dinobot or or insecticon they need an additional voice kids are not going to be co- caring at this point they're going to be cheering that the decepticons are flying off and they're on their second bowl of Fruit Loops right yeah. now, and they're not going to give a rat's rear. So, <laughs> which probably back then I didn't give a rat's rear. And sure, you know, hmm. this is awesome. You know, right. if you want to go full WWE, this is awesome. You know, going yay! What's okay. next? You know, or and... yeah. So as the Decepticons uh, head off, uh, Rodimus. Is- Prime has a, you know, bit of a moment of realization, you know, that he has to deal with, you know, uh, the parts that are kind of missing and, you know, what he has to do to, you know, kind of make himself a whole individual and the leader he needs to be and kind of where his place in the universe is. Yeah, and uh, even Cup, I think you said Cup makes that line. It's like, yeah, you found that missing part, didn't you? And... Rodimus says, yes, I did, you know, I found, realized I needed it as much as it needed me. It was that learning moment. 
Yes. And so all in all, I thought this episode was pretty good. There was a lot of great development, you know, kind of Rodimus going through those steps and kind of taking that learning moment. But I have one major gripe with this episode, where it's located in the series. Because unfortunately, as I stated before, the episode that follows this in airing order is the return of Optimus Prime. So everything this episode does is thrown away in the next episode. Like, if this episode had been earlier in the season and we got to see some of the stuff Rodimus did throughout the season with that learning moment, it would have made him an overall better character. But unfortunately, this episode was so late in the season, and I think, you know, I think they were kind of reeling from the decision, you know, to kill Optimus Prime originally. They're like, oh, we're going to bring him back. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Uh, didn't, like, earlier in the season, they bring him back as a decoy uh-huh. uh, at, to kind of bait everyone. It was, like, earlier in the season or something like that. Uh, I don't remember when I was a kid... I don't didn't remember seeing that episode. I, I either uh, it was shown out of place, or they didn't show it that week, mm-hmm. or I missed it somehow. Uh, even though I was watching every episode when it came out, uh, somehow I missed that episode because I was just excited that Optimus was coming back, and yep. that was at that time it was like eighty seven. I, I was. <sighs> Even though I was like 11, 12, and it's still, we were entering, we we were still in that golden age of, if you want to call mm-hmm. the 80s and maybe early 90s, the golden age of cartoons, because you had a lot of awesome cartoons in the 80, mid to late 80s and early 90s. You had uh, Thundercats, G.I. Joe. Uh, Transformers, Voltron, even though that was a, an anime import. Mm-hmm. Um, you had uh, DuckTales, Tailspin, Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, uh, Batman and Robin. You had all these great cartoons between, I want to say, 85 and 95 mm-hmm. in that 10-year span. You had the most powerhouse, awesomest cartoons that either – a, they had insane. Let's not forget Animaniacs. Got insert in anime Animaniacs somewhere in there. These insane and dot ideas of cartoons, or these drug infused ideas for cartoons that drove toy sales, and was just a ball. Like we said numerous times in this episode, we were kids. We didn't care. How, they could have just made things out of order like they do mm-hmm. today with like you've seen it with firefly uh countless other uh television series that they put stuff out of order mm-hmm. uh, they could have done this with the cartoons they could have put the um everything out of order did we as kids give any rats rear no as nope. long as long as at like 10 o'clock a.m on saturday or whenever this cartoon came on it came on at 10 o'clock Saturday on whatever channel was supposed to come on. As long as we had our bowl of cereal, our chocolate milk, and milk in that cereal, we didn't care. 
That was our yeah. Saturday. Oh um, man, but yeah, no, you go back in as an adult and you're like, oh, this is actually great. They actually did something with this character. Right. Oh, they destroyed all the very next episode. Awesome. Great. And they kind of just next season they kind of just tossed it over their shoulder and went, heck with you guys. And we were like, really? You just gave us four up, three or four episodes of Headmasters and decided to yeah. say a three-parter. A three-parter, and it was originally supposed to be a five-parter. And, and it's like you told us, eh, we're canceling the show. Yeah. <laughs> really? Really? You're going to do us dirty like that? Really? Yeah. But. Oh, yeah, no. But overall, I thought this episode was good. It's just, unfortunately, its placement in the season really hurts. I, I'm going to have to agree with you that it, it wasn't. I It was one of those things with me as stated that when I go back to rewatch a old 80s cartoon that I enjoyed as a young child or a child that had that standard of everybody in my school was talking about uh, He-Man, Transformers, Thundercats, etc., etc., etc. And you go back as an adult and it's either A, cringe, like total cringe, like wh- why? How did I miss that? Um, but... Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the racism in the 80s was pretty bad. And we got a bit of that in, in display here with, um, well, I don't, or, or I don't at least stereotyping. I don't mean that. It's just that um, He-Man, to me, had a lot of weird overtones to it. And that's what I'm getting at. And it's like, oh, you really loved this show as a kid. And I didn't understand the, you know, why is He-Man holding Skeletor like that? I'm not comfortable with this, you know. Yeah. Um, type of ordeal when i went back to watch he-man as an adult like i'm not comfortable with this right now um but i've watched a few episodes of the centurions and one of the main characters is just like constantly like sexually sexually harassing women like wow and this is one of our heroes it's like we enjoyed these cartoons as kid. Uh, how did we miss the you know these cringe fests? The, there was cringe in this, but we again when we watched it, we were like eight years old. We didn't care. Yeah, because it was um, we just wanted to see giant robots beat up other giant robots that were able to transform into cars, planes, dinosaurs, and the whatnot. Because if you go back into the earlier part of season three, there is a fictional country. Um, called Carbamia. Yeah. And it was the reason why uh, Casey Kasem quit the show. Yep. Because I think he was... He was initially from... Lebanese, I believe? Yeah. He was Lebanese or from that general area of Uh the world. And he didn't like the... I guess it was way too cringeworthy um, that even he probably noticed. So he said, you know what? I'm out. I'm gone. Yep. I'm gone. Sorry. Uh, nowadays, you, when we see it, it's like, oh, it's cringe. Oh, oh. Now I understand why Casey Kasem left. Um, You're like, oh, I'm an adult and I understand that joke now. Right. Oh. Right. So it, we understand now we're able to see a little bit more or have a broader sense of why. But again, as kids, we didn't care. We just... As long as we got that bowl of cereal with milk in it and uh, a glass of milk with uh, 
quicken it, we don't care. Yeah, because those days were a whole lot better than being an adult paying bills. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, but that was uh, definitely a fun romp here, and uh, I think that's a good place to call it for this episode. uh, Chris, I definitely want to thank you for being on the show. No uh, of problem. course, you can check him out at the Long Coat Mafia. Look it up on social media. Just look it up online. Check out their podcast. And, of course, uh, check out all the Geek World Order Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast uh, social media. Of course, check out geekworldorder.com. And like, subscribe, and rate us on all of the major podcast providers. That's right. Check out Geek World Order and Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. I'm not saying that because Randy paid me. No, he didn't. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time, folks.